0: Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you all and to worship with you. And, you know, when I uh, participate in a service like this, I can't help but just uh, think how blessed we are to have such incredible musicians here at the church. When we get to hear those great special music, things like that. And then, you know, you guys all sound pretty good, too, today. Just let me let you know that. And, uh, you know, just a beautiful fall day to come together and to worship God Now, I don't know about you, but I love the Olympics. Is there anybody who loves the Olympics out there? You know, every two years we get, you know, one of the Olympic games and we get to hear stories about different athletes and cheer for countries and I think it's just an awesome celebration globally. Now, in 2016, there was a story that I thought was especially compelling and it was the story of Michael Phelps and you're probably familiar with Michael Phelps. He was one of the greatest swimmers to ever live. And in 2016, he won his 23rd gold medal. Isn't that amazing? 23 gold medals. It was his fifth Olympic Games. And he was so focused and he was so determined to meet his goals that his face went viral on the Internet. And I think we have a picture there. Now, that's exactly what I looked like on Thursday night watching the Vikings game. I just want to let you know. But he was so focused on reaching his goals, he was so determined, and then he met those goals, and people celebrated his achievement But you might not know the backstory to what happened before the 2016 games. You see, in 2012, he was in the Olympic games that were in London, and they didn't go according to plan. He was beaten a few times, and he was expected to win, and he went into depression, and he started to heavily drink, and eventually, he was picked up on a second DUI, and he felt like his life was out of control. And instead of getting help, he went home after being arrested and he drank and drank and took drugs and he was considering giving up on life altogether. In fact, one of the quotes that he was said to have said in an interview is, I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. I thought the world would just be better off without me. I figured that that was the best thing to do, just end my life. Now just imagine getting to that point where he's ready to give up, this incredibly successful and famous athlete. Now along the way too, he had become estranged from his parents and much of the rest of his family and he lost all passion for swimming, you know, the sport that he had dedicated his life to and he felt like he had nothing to live for. And so after that second DUI, he just felt like he would drink himself to death. But fortunately, some friends and family got through to him and got him into a rehab program. And as he was entering rehab, one of his friends gave him a book, a book that some of you have read as well. It's The Purpose Driven Life. And he read through that book and it changed everything. He's quoted as saying, it turned me into believing there is a power greater than myself and that there is a purpose for me. On this planet. You see, he hit rock bottom. His regrets had piled up. He had nowhere else to turn. But in that moment, in that deep valley, God showed up. And it actually became a turning point in his life. He's quoted as saying, I certainly wouldn't be where I am today in every aspect of my life without going through all of that. He got reconnected with his estranged family. He got engaged to his longtime girlfriend. He celebrated the birth of his son. He found a new purpose and mission. He had this goal that he was going to go into the Olympic Games and he was going to win more gold medals than anyone in history. And he also made God the focal point of his life. You see, at those Olympic Games in 2016, Michael Phelps showed us what redemption looks like. He took a story full of regret and pain and hurt. He allowed God to come in and do some heavy work in his life. And it turned into a story of great redemption and great triumph. This morning, the big idea that we're going to talk about is that God wants to take your story of regret and turn it into a story of redemption. God wants to take your story of regret and turn it into a story of redemption. You see, when God is on your side, when he's active in your life, there is always the possibility of new life. There is always the possibility of a fresh start. God can take anything from your past, even your worst regrets, even your greatest pain, and he can use them for great good and great impact in the world. Now before we dive into that, before we look at what the Bible has to say about redemption, I want to give you a quick review of where we've been each week. Because each week builds upon the last Now some of you I know always have perfect attendance and you know this frontwards and backwards, so I'm just gonna invite you to take a little nap or plan what you're gonna have for brunch or whatever else. But for the rest of us, here's a little bit of review. We started out by talking about how every single one of us has regrets, it's something that we all have in common. It's a part of being a human being. And the thing is we all experience regrets in different ways. bothers me might not bother you what sticks with one person might not stick with another and so it's very unique it's very individual to us very personal to us but every one of us has regrets but we've talked about how most of our regrets fall into three different categories we have regrets of action those are those things we're sorry about doing or saying we have regrets of inaction those are those things that we're sorry about not doing it's a missed opportunity And then we have regrets of reaction. And those are those things that we're sorry that happened to us by someone else. Now, the problem is when we experience regret, oftentimes it causes us to get stuck. We can have a regret stick with us our entire life. And it's like having a rewind button or a replay button in our head where we just replay that regret again and again. And we call this the sorry cycle. We're sorry that we did something or experienced something, and then we long to go back and make things different. If we only had a time machine, if we only knew what we know now, if we could only go back and say things differently, do things differently, then we wouldn't be experiencing the hurt and the pain that we have today. And so we can easily get stuck. It's so hard to move forward. And so what we tend to do is try to stuff that away try to hide it away, to try to ignore it, dismiss it, deny it, kind of hold it below the surface, because we don't want anyone to find out about those secrets or those sins or those mistakes that we've had in our life. And so this series has been all about helping us learn how to move past our regrets to a better future, And we've talked about some different steps that we see throughout the Bible that are very important for us to apply to our lives. First off, we talked about how we need to recognize our regret. We need to own up to it instead of trying to stuff it away, instead of trying to ignore it or dismiss it or deny it. And we have talked about many different characters throughout the Bible who had to finally recognize the mistakes, the sins, the regrets in their life. And there's really a big word attached to this And it's confession. We start to find freedom from our regrets, from our sins, when we're willing to confess them. Confess them to God, confess them to ourselves, and even confess them to each other. It starts that healing process that God wants to bring into our life. Well, then secondly, we need to release our regrets. Our tendency is to really hold on to them tightly because we want to be in control. We want to control the narrative. But God invites us to release those regrets to him. And the big word that's attached to releasing our regrets is forgiveness. Forgiveness is what brings the freedom that we need. Maybe we need to forgive someone else. Maybe we need to ask for forgiveness from someone else. Maybe we need to ask God for his forgiveness. Well, today we're going to talk about the third step, which is redeeming our regrets. And you know, the word redeem is such a rich word. I think it's such a descriptive word. Now think about if you have a gift card or a gift certificate in your pocket and how you can go to a restaurant or a hotel or go on a vacation or whatever else and you can redeem that gift certificate. You can use that slip of paper or that card to pay your debt. And it's such an awesome thing to do, right? To have your debt be paid. Well, you see, each one of us is in debt to God. That's what the Bible says. Our sin puts us in debt to God. And in fact, we owe him our life. That's the penalty for our sin. But the Bible also tells us that Jesus freely went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He paid our debt. For us so that we could have forgiveness and new life in him. Jesus releases us from our debt to God. And he redeems us through his blood. It's what we heard read in our first Bible reading from 1 Peter. Peter says, for you know it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold. This isn't just a check it's not just some money in his pocket it's not a gift certificate it says it's not that at all you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect and god promises to take all of our sins that were like scarlet and make them as white as snow and that's what our board here represents. All of the regrets that were brought up and shared here left at the foot of the cross are made as white as snow. As the Bible says, they are as far from us as the east is from the west. It's an amazing redemption story. Now the Bible is full of individual stories of redemption and God's grace. In the past weeks, we talked about Peter, one of Jesus' best friends. And Peter messed up big time. He denied Jesus three different times. He turned his back on his friends. And imagine the regret that he carried with him. Imagine the narrative he was forming in his head. Jesus would never welcome me back. He's never going to forgive me. I'm the worst friend ever. But what did Jesus do? He forgave him and he restored him. He redeemed him, and he gave him a job. He said he was going to build his church on him. And just 40 days later, Peter had an opportunity to preach to a group of people who had never heard the gospel, and 3,000 people came to faith. You see, God wasn't done with Peter. Peter lived out a redemption story. Well, then we have the story of King David that we've talked about the last couple weeks. King David, one of the greatest heroes of the Bible, it's one of the biggest celebrities in the world. Seemingly, everything goes well for him until he makes some very bad choices. He commits adultery. And not only that, he ends up killing the woman's husband. So now he's an adulterer and he's a murderer. And imagine the regret that he felt. And he stuffed it away for a year until the prophet Nathan came and called him out. And in that moment, David decided to recognize his regret and release it. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. I confess this. And David began to experience redemption. Psalm 51, verse 1, it says, he cried out to God, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. I'm not going to deny this any longer. I need your help, God. And when David recognized and released all of these regrets and all of these sins to God, well, then God began his redemption process. God gave him a son whose name was Solomon. The name Solomon means God's peace. God also gave him a second name, Jedediah, which means God's beloved. If you look at the story in 2 Samuel, it says, Bathsheba became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and David named him Solomon. The Lord loved the child and sent word through Nathan the prophet that they should name him Jedediah, which means beloved of the Lord. Just as the Lord had commanded. Now imagine David holding his son in his arms and remembering what he had done and how God had redeemed and restored him. And now this child represents God's peace and that he is God's beloved, that God hasn't given up on him, but in fact has great plans for him. The story is also told in the book of 1 Kings, and he says, He says to Bathsheba, as surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble. Just that is just an amazing truth. After all David had gone through, he says, the Lord has delivered me out of every trouble. I will surely carry out this very day what I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me and he will sit on my throne in my place. Solomon becomes King Solomon, and he does some amazing things as Israel's king. It's he who built the temple in Jerusalem, the place where God takes up residence. Israel becomes a great economic force throughout the world, and most importantly, it's through David and Solomon's family tree that Jesus himself is born. God redeemed David's regrets through the birth of Solomon. God continued to work good in David's life, even his regrets. And God wants to take your regrets. He wants to take the story of regret in your life and turn it into a story. Of redemption, And so this morning, I want to focus on three truths about redemption. Three important truths about redemption. First off, redemption is something only God can do. Redemption is something only God can do. And he wants to do it. Even with our deepest regrets, even with our deepest sins, Just like the prodigal son story, God wants to welcome us home. Remember in that story, the father waited by the side of the road. He's out at the mailbox. He's looking off in the distance, waiting to see if this is the day that his lost son returns. And when he sees his son coming down the road, he doesn't hold back, cross his arms, kind of wait to see how things go. Do you remember what happens? He hikes up his robe, and he runs down the road to meet his lost son, and he welcomes him with open arms. It's a picture of our Heavenly Father who welcomes us with open arms. He wants to bring redemption into our life. Now, the first two steps, recognizing and releasing our regrets, are something that we do. It's a choice that we made. But redemption is something that only God can do. We can't redeem ourselves. It's not something that's possible. Romans 8.28 says this, in all things, God works. Those are some pretty big words, very important words. In all things, not just some things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, including our regrets, including our sins, it's God who works. In fact, your worst moments are where God can sometimes do his very best work. Our role is to trust, to allow God to come in, and to begin the restoration process. Our role is not to try to strive harder, to work harder, to do it on our own. No, in the end, our role is to surrender, to trust him, and to allow him to have his way. You see, real redemption only comes through supernatural change. And that means only God can do it. I love what Rick Warren says. He says, only God can take the mess of our life and turn it into a message. Only God can take a test and turn it into a testimony. He can even take the very worst things of life and bring good out of them. Number two, redemption takes time. Have you ever noticed that God's timing and our timing are rarely the same sometimes it seems like they are two different time zones right we want things to happen immediately we have a plan it should go according to our plan but so often God has something else in store for us really there's two different perspectives right there's the perspective of now what we experience today and then there's an eternal perspective which is God's perspective And so as we agonize and we wait and we wonder, God sees the bigger picture. Our entire life is just a blip on the timeline of eternity. God is working. We need to trust in that. It's his promise to us. God sees things from an eternal perspective. And he teaches us along the way. Now take David's story again for a moment. His redemption took time. Solomon is actually David's fourth son with Bathsheba. Don't let God's timing discourage you. It's never too late for him to make you into the person he wants you to be. Whether it's the story of David, the story of Peter, the story of Mary Magdalene, the story of the Apostle Paul, even the story of Moses, it took 80 years for Moses to experience God's redemption in his life. We see again and again, God chooses to work in people's lives over a long period of time. Number three, redemption has many forms. The way God redeems your regrets might be different than the way he redeems another person's regrets. Here's a few ways that God often chooses to work. Sometimes redemption looks like finding your way back to God. Oftentimes, after years of detours and wandering and searching, people finally find themselves asking big questions about meaning and purpose and eternity. And when people start to turn to God, he is waiting with open arms There's a great little verse that comes in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles 15 verse 4 where it says, he let them find him. God let them find him. Again, that's a picture of the heart of God. He's not trying to hide from us. He's not trying to make it difficult. Again, he is that father beside the road with open arms. When people turn to him, he is there and he wants to bring redemption God lets us find him, not so he can reject us or beat us up, but so that he can welcome us back into his family. Now, maybe today you feel like you've been searching, you've been asking big questions, you don't know where God is in your life. Just know that he is waiting for you to return, he wants you to come, he has open arms. And he wants to begin that redemption process in your life. Now, sometimes redemption looks like spiritual growth. You know, sometimes it's in those moments of difficulty and despair. It's in the valleys of life that we actually experience the greatest growth. It's those times that remind us that we're not in control at all and that we need help oftentimes after going through those difficult seasons that we can look back and see how God has worked in our life how he brought us through and in fact how maybe we've grown in faith like never before I know personally in my life I have grown through challenges so much more than victories when I went into my last call the church I was at before coming here to Calvary I went through some very difficult struggles within the congregation And sometimes I felt like giving up. I went home one time and I told my wife, I said, Lex, we got to sell our house. I don't think we're supposed to be here. I was ready to give up. But it was through going through those difficult seasons in ministry that God transformed my heart. And he gave me new skills. And he was able to bring redemption. Sometimes redemption looks like spiritual growth. Sometimes redemption can look like redirection. Those times when we figure we've got it all down, we know what the plan should be, and God says, no, actually, I want you over here. Has that ever happened to you before? I've counseled people right after they've broken up with a long-time significant other, and they feel like the world is going to end, and then maybe a few years down the line, they're in a new relationship, They have a family and they look back and they say, it's so good that God redirected my life, that he brought me into this new relationship. I had a friend who went to seminary. It's a four-year program. He put four years of his life in. He was convinced that God had called him to go into ministry for a variety of reasons. It didn't seem to work out. And he eventually ended up working in an advertising agency and he found out he had these incredible creative gifts. And eventually, he started to work for an agency who develops curriculum for churches. And now he's able to use his artistic and creative gifts to reach people for Christ in a way he never expected. You see, sometimes redemption looks like redirection. Well, also, redemption can look like a chance to bless others. See, God wants to do more than forgive us. He wants to use us to reach and bless other people. If you've ever dealt with a addiction, if you've ever had a breakup, if you've ever made a bad choice, consider that maybe you can use that experience to help other people. I have a friend named John. When John was in high school, he started to drink heavily at the age of 14 or 15, And right after that, he got into hardcore drugs, so much so that he eventually dropped out of school by the age of 16, and his life looked like a mess. He was estranged from his family, he was living on the streets, he was making horrible choices. Well, eventually, someone got through to him, and he went to rehab, and he got sober. And then he started to have a passion to work with other youth. And he went back to school and he got his high school diploma and he went to college and he got trained as a drug counselor. And today, every day, he's working with youth who are struggling with addiction. And he's amazing at it because he can come alongside them and say, I know what you're experiencing. I've been through it, but look at what God has done in my life. Look at the redemption that I've experienced. Maybe you struggle with something. Maybe you've been through a difficult season in life. Don't let Satan leverage that by flooding you with guilt and shame. Instead, open yourself up to the possibility that God wants to redeem your regrets so that you can bless others. Church, when it comes to our regrets, we have a choice. We can choose to stay stuck or we can choose to start over. Don't let your regrets be a finish line. No, instead, let them be a starting point. Let them launch you into a better future than you can ever imagine. Now, it can be messy and it can be difficult along the way. But it starts with a choice to follow Jesus, to put him first. How will you start over today? What's one thing that still keeps you up at night? What's the one regret that you still can't forgive yourself for? What's the one thing that's so embarrassing you don't want anyone to ever know that it's been a part of your life? No matter where you're at, I want you to hear this. God is in the business of redeeming people. Remember, Peter Betrayed his best friend Jesus. David committed adultery and murder and tried to cover it up. Paul persecuted and killed Christians for a job. Yet Peter became one of the leaders of the early church. David's lineage became the lineage of Jesus. And the apostle Paul became the greatest evangelist the world has ever known. So imagine what God can and will do when he begins to work in your life, when he begins to redeem your regrets. Let's pray.